0: One, two. One, two. How are you? Is
1: that better?
0: Okay. Thank you. I'm great, you? (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, uh 13 years ago our CEO Frances Ann Solomon, who is a accomplished filmmaker in her own right and was a former BBC producer. Um recognized in Toronto that there was a lack of voices of color, Caribbean voices, um, it being programmed and being supported, and decided to do something about it. So she started Caribbean Tales, which is not just a film festival. It's an incubator of emerging talent. Um, it's an online platform, a viewing platform online, um, Caribbean Tales TV. Uh, and it is a producer of films and a distributor of films. So, as you said, our theme this year is Light It Up. It came about because we were all sitting around talking about you know, the Me Too movement and Black Lives Matter and the things that were important to us. And we wanted to know, we started to talk about what, what comes next, what comes after these movements. Uh, and the idea of Light It Up came about where we want to know, we want filmmakers to light up the world with their voices, with their stories. So in line with that, when we, our programming team, um, started looking for political, provocative films, films that were saying something about the current climate, the current state of affairs, not just in the West, in all throughout the Caribbean, all throughout the world. So this year, there's so many incredible films that are really getting to the truth of conflict and of marginalization and of how people are dealing with these things, films from Haiti, Jamaica, uh, Trinidad, Guyana, Curacao, films by women of color, films from South Africa, films from from all over the world talking about uh, uh, what it feels like to be marginalized and uh, what we can do. So it's not just stating the facts, it's really about what's next, what comes next and what we can do. say, I mean, I'm not not one of the programmers, but I would say around 600 films. And then we also go out and seek films. Like, for example, Lucasfilm is one that was brought to us through Pride. Uh, And then we obviously immediately fell in love with it and then wanted to program it. So the festival takes place from September 5th to 20th. The incubator is a select, a chosen few who have submitted from international filmmakers and they participate in a four-day incubator from September 4th to 9th, um, really readying their pitches and uh, developing their projects. And then on the 9th we have this amazing event called the Big Pitch which takes place at the Bell Lightbox Um, and it's it's a Caribbean breakfast, full of Caribbean breakfast, which is uh, an amazing part of it but also um, we have a pitch competition and we have industry execs from across all across Toronto so we have CBC and Bell Media and Chorus and CTV and Omni everyone's represented there and we eat a tasty breakfast and we hear all the pitches and then everyone gets the whole audience gets to vote and it's open to the public as well so you can find us on Eventbrite and, and, uh, and come and join us. It's a submission process, so they submit their uh, their projects, and their bios, and a, a whole slew of deliverables to us, and then our Vice President, uh, Nicole Brooks, um, is in charge of the incubator, so she goes through with her team and selects, um, I believe, every year it changes, and I don't have the number this year, but it's between five and 10. Absolutely, right after the big pitch, we have um, our, what's called the Red Hot Mixer, it's our TIFF networking event, so it's just like, in the same room basically, one room over, and everybody, it's just a huge networking event where you can come and meet all of these industry executives, and as an emerging filmmaker, it's, it's the room you want to be in, you know? You know, it's really funny you ask that. We, this year and last year were the first years that we had a did a co-presentation with TIFF for our big pitch and they've been supporting us that way but what's kind of interesting to me this year is that for years and years um, Caribbean Tales was one of the only festivals in town showing black films and really promoting black filmmakers Um, and so we got first pick a lot of the time with all of these films and now you know, TIFF the last few years has really come aboard and, and been really promoting uh, filmmakers of color so you can see their programming has changed and because of that we don't always get the first pick of the films anymore so we're kind of like trying to find the the hidden the underground films that tiff may not pick up that are are brilliant and beautiful so it's only in the last couple of years that we've now started to work with tiff um, with the big pitch and uh, and hoping yeah to continue on into the future Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I think it's uh it we the industry comes out for our events just the same. we don't lose any industry because of tiff I think it is obviously it is a little bit of a challenge, but what it it makes up for that in the fact that there's an alternative to tiff so we are an alternative to tiff we have uh you know, films that TIFF might not program, that TIFF might not know, we've developed 13 years of an audience uh, and of a, of a community that we have deep access to that um, is different than, than what you would see at TIFF. So, so we are playing at the Royal Cinema on College, at the Review Cinema on Roncesvalles, And also, our last, our closing night, which is a Haiti fundraiser, is at Cineplex, Scotiabank Cineplex. Mm -hmm.
0: Nice. Great.
1: Mm. Well-trained. Yeah, awesome. (laughs) Well-trained by my boss. (laughs) Yeah, yes.
0: Right, I know it is. We can talk to each other through this. That's true. We can. Keep yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: uh, I just got AC in my apartment. I've been there four years. Wow. And I just got an AC unit, and it's like changed my whole life.
0: Yeah, I yeah. bet. I know. We're but th- well. We do have. There's one in the living room, but it's like, you know, it's to get the airflow other places. You need fans too. You yeah,
1: you can't. It's only in, same with me. It's only yeah, in the living room. Exactly. But that's okay. That's all I need. That's it's the just thing. Like a little bit. Yeah. Really
0: Cool. Segment two. Cool. Yeah, I mean great great question. Um for me, I think that the the inspiration really came from I mean personal story, obviously. Um I wanted to I wanted to make films for a really long time in my life, you know, maybe since I was a little kid, it was like the first job that I wanted to do, but I had no idea what that meant, you know, what's producing, what's directing, whatever, right? And um I but I did want to make films. Uh, my, one of the, one of the things though, was that I, at the time when the idea was conceived, I was actually working at, uh, for Apple at the Eden center and I'd worked there for a number of years and I loved it. Um, but one of the things that I realized about my transition, because Apple was the first job that I had where no one knew (laughs) about my past. Um, no one knew I was trans really, except for a few select people. And, um, that's actually where I met Mitch Reed. And, um, and and he didn't even know about my transition. We were friends for a number of years. And uh, he wanted to make films too. He was already a filmmaker. and um, But my problem was I really wanted to make, I did want to make a film about transition. And I wanted to make it about, um, you know, the perspective of also being a man of color, what that means uh, when you're not raised that way. Like my experience of, um, you know, being socialized and raised female to having to navigate the world as a black man was was different was different than i had originally expected it was going to be yeah and um and so i knew i kind of wanted to tell this a story like that at some point in my life the the issue for me was that i was really afraid of making a film about it because I was stealth at that time. I had lived stealth uh, for five years already, you know, not telling anybody about my transition. And so to take a leap like this seemed kind of like I was gonna lose everything, I think, looking back at it. You know, I thought if I came out on screen and if I came out, I would never work again. I would lose a lot of the friends that I had made. Um, So there was a lot of fear kind of based around the project. But ultimately, you know, my experience Working, working at Apple really showed me that um, there's so much in masculinity. There's so much uh, that is unspoken, especially at that time. Now we're talking, you know, years ago. Um, and that the experience of me being male uh, was a lot more challenging than I thought it was going to be, mostly because there was so much sexism, so much racism, transphobia within masculine culture. And um, that's really what made me want to make passing. I was like, you know, I'm I'm here every day. People are saying sexist and racist things to me on a regular basis, and why? Because I'm a black man and no one knows that I'm trans and they think I'm just going to agree with all this stuff. And I, I just really wanted to highlight it and I wanted to, you know, bring some other guys on that journey with me.
1: So, this is the first year we've partnered with Pride. Um, we have had uh, a queer night at Caribbean Tales for, I believe, three years, and we were doing short film challenges and, and supporting queer filmmakers, um, but we just didn't, We weren't getting the, the audience that we thought we would get. Um, I think that there are very few um, BIPOC queer and trans spaces, so I think it, it is difficult to kind of bring people out because people don't always feel safe um, or supported. So especially from something called Caribbean Tales, which we all know the Caribbean has a long-standing history of being anti-LGBTQ. So um, this year we had a conversation about how would we, um, how can we open it up, open up our audience, and and that's when Pride Pride came about. I, I contacted Pride and and they obviously are facing their own challenges, and they were looking for. Uh, a way to also show support to the POC community so it just seemed like a great fit Um, and right off the bat um, Danny over at Pride had had recommended Luca's film and as soon as I watched it it was like yes we're yes absolutely yes
0: thank you (laughs) yeah Luca yep yes Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, it's it's been one of the most rewarding things probably of my entire life. I I've made uh other films. I, I produced a film I'm, a couple years ago and um you know that's i got to go to sundance in january and it was tiff and and everything but uh you know passing holds a very special place in my heart um i mean i'm sitting here talking about it still years later and um i w- had no idea that that would happen uh it got to be in a lot of festivals at the time um Inside Out was probably the biggest uh, showing because it was Toronto-based and that's where all the support was. Um, but we also got to go to Seattle for Translation Film Festival. Um, it's won a f- number of awards uh, in different places and um, we still get really great feedback on it. Um, you know, it's you can buy it on Amazon and things like that. Uh, it showed at Frameline in San Francisco and they picked it up for distribution. And so it's it's been a really interesting uh experience because um as i said you know when we actually went and and shot it we had everyone all the crew you know flying to texas and new york and everything and uh that was the day we left was the day that liver cox was on the cover of time magazine the transgender tipping point and uh you know who knew that we'd be sitting here today like so deep in these conversations um because it was so surface and even when i uh, came out to my you know the director of it who's now also been my business partner for the last five years it's like I told him that I wanted to make a film about transition and my experience and uh, he had like never even heard the word transgender you know and I think it's just a a testament really I know it. well he had he had heard it but he was basically saying that like you know he didn't have any concept of what it was or really that he may have had anybody in his life who was trans because at that time, too, this was 2013. So the film came out in 2015. I told him it started in 2013 because films take a while. And, um, yeah, and so I, I just think that there's been so much information and knowledge that's come out of the last number of years, but I just never thought it would happen. So it's been great. Thank you, yeah. totally is. Thank you. Mhm. Mhm. I I was saying, you know, I were or or thinking in this, I it's it's one of those parts that I seems definitely seems to be brushed over, and I think that maybe people don't want to go there or ask about it, but uh I think that um you know when i when I had had those experiences and they were particularly in high school uh and a little bit like later on early university um I found that it was something that I struggled with basically for, for my entire life. Right. Um, Attraction versus who we want to be and what we think we are. Uh, There's a lot of overlap there. And I, I think as a culture, we don't give ourselves a lot of opportunity to explore it. Um, And, and I also, I mean, in in retrospect, I've come to realize like, you know, I I talk to high schools and everything like that on a regular basis now with uh, an organization. And, People don't recognize a lot of the time that, yeah, gender, sexuality, all these things are different. Um, And I wish I had had more of that information when I was growing up. Um, Maybe that would have changed how I felt about that in that moment, like recognizing that, you know, I can can feel male, even not in a male body, and, and, and be involved in a heterosexual relationship, but not be straight or not. Like, those are conversations we don't have um you know luckily the the guys that i have you know engaged with in my life they're so supportive of me and i think they find it kind of funny to talk about how they quote unquote like dated a guy i wasn't a guy at the time but um you know i think that 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 there's a lightheartedness to it at least in the relationships that i had um but but yeah i think that you know my relationship with men for my whole life was always coming from a very confused place in that sense, right, of wanting to be around all the guys, but really not feeling fully accepted and really having to figure out how I fit into that. Um, And that's, yeah, so I would say that's really where I was coming from when I said that, that, um, you know, you're attracted, I was attracted to men, but uh, sometimes I look back and I wonder exactly as I said, is that, um, was it just, is is it mostly jealousy or is it mostly, uh, was it me seeking something that I just never even, Really put a lot of time into thinking about because there's no education around it. Yeah, I mean, um, I with the first I I would say I had a lot of feelings about men, like ne- feelings actually that are I would say were pretty negative and and pretty. Um, yeah, i found i would i i would use the word turmoil to describe it really um my relationships to them and how i f- fit and how i was seen um and it was probably well as a young kid i always i did talk about being a boy i wanted to be a boy uh, you know, all of those things. And, um, my parents, I'm actually adopted. Uh, I was adopted at the age of two months. My parents are, you know, kindest people ever, and they're very progressive. And so, uh, they didn't make me do anything girly necessarily, but there was no transgender discussion. So my, I want to be a boy just became, well, you're not a boy, but you can do boy things. You can wear boy clothes and you can have your hair short and you can do all that stuff. I think now they're like, oh, I wish we had known more about transition. Maybe, we could have helped you out earlier in life, but no one really spoke of it. Um, And so it wasn't until I was in my, I was about 19 or 20 and I thought, man, I really need to address this. Like, I still felt like I should be a boy and I still felt like that's really the way I perceived myself Um, and, but I had no idea what to do about it. And then it was right around, not really around this time, maybe this time, it was 2008, 2009, and YouTube had come a little bit of a ways, and um, that was the first time that I saw really anyone transgender um, was... On YouTube, yeah, people documenting their transition, and especially trans men, right? Because there's not a lot of visibility. There wasn't a lot of visibility around that. So when I saw those early guys, um, like A and F Jace and other folks like that, I, I immediately resonated, and it was the first time I thought, wow, these people are, are pretty normal people, I guess, for lack of a better word. And it made me feel a lot safer to be able to think, oh, I could do this myself. The only barrier after that was, I would say, was racial. You know, Because I, I felt like, man, am I really gonna do this? Am I really going to transition not being white? Not, that was, you know, cause that's how you see it as well. Um, when I looked at like the people of color that were transitioning, I just didn't really feel a deep connection there. Now I have a ton of great you know trans friends of color and everything, and it's amazing but um you know at the time that's when I first realized okay i i this is deep enough and important to me enough that i'm I'm going to uh start looking into how this how I do this basically, yeah, for sure, I think that um there was some challenging times. It was challenging to find other people to to come out on screen, especially people of color. Um, I was in a Facebook group called Black Trans Men, and I put out a call, and nobody wanted to do it, basically at all. Um, there was just so much fear around uh, coming out, and um, you know, and family, and all that type of stuff. And so we ended up writing this PDF document that said. What, basically, me personally pleading with people to come out, you know, and saying, this is going to be really important. And I think it's really important that we create visibility and, and we're going to change lives and everything. And and uh, and then after that, we got some people who were willing to come forward and, and talk about it. And again, now it's like people are out all much more regularly. Um, but that was a challenge, and then secondly, I would say that um, you know i 'm so deep in my own self awareness of transition now, as i said i I speak sometimes two, three days a week, high schools, middle schools, right, um, coming out as trans to new people on a regular basis but um at that time, because i hadn 't come out really to anyone substantial in my life um, i was i was it was a big it was kind of like opening a pandora 's box in a way, and and in our last week in New York, I just I was I I found I was so overwhelmed emotionally overwhelmed I was just like broke down and cried and after our interview with Sasha and um, I think it was because uh, I had realized like yeah I I'd, I'd done exactly what I wanted to do and I had gotten so much information not just about myself but about these other people um, and I yeah it was it was a mix it was it was bittersweet it was bittersweet but uh, I'm I'm happy that we did it. <laughs>
1: I have so many questions. Oh I know, yeah, I know. So, yeah, we should <laughs> Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, you should jump in.
1: I know, I just like curious to know. Well, like I, I I'm a filmmaker as well and I know that when you when you make something you get like you'll get a lot of random emails and people just emailing you from out of the blue mm-hmm. for positive and negative, right? So I'd be curious to know about that, like, mm-hmm. what that was like after it showed and won awards and...
0: Yeah, some people just, like, came to it for sure, and they didn't know about me, but they just came and I just let it happen, and then, I mean, they were cool. Yeah. But you never know what people think not to your not to your face, right? Well, yeah,
1: that's true, but did you get any emails or anything from anybody randomly? Like,
0: Everything was fairly positive, but... Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah sure, <laughs> yeah, 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 let me talk about it. Maybe, yeah, I'll rack my brain.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to know. Here we go. Doesn't do it justice.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, the, that aspect we call intersect, and it's been going for three years. I mean, the conversation has been around for a long time, and obviously, you know, it's been picking up and picking up more and more in terms of uh, BIPOC trans experiences, BIPOC que- queer experiences, so, oh, um, uh, BIPOC means, um, oh my gosh, pop,
0: pop, people of color, person, or person of color,
1: uh, indigenous, but what does the B stand for?
0: That's a great question.
1: Indigenous people of color. but, bi- uh is it bi? I'm gonna look it up. This is the
0: part that we cut out. <laughs> I know. Yeah, we gotta
1: cut it out. But give me a second and I will I will maybe I shouldn't say it if I
0: don't know it. No, no, it's I do
1: know. Yeah, so let me just say what it is. It's bi it's
0: I know what pock is.
1: Black, yeah. indigenous, and people of color.
0: Alright, so here we go. There we Take go. two.
1: BIPOC is short for Black, Indigenous, People of Color. So the whole spectrum. Yeah. Caribbean Tales has always we're always looking at uh, what's current um, and what we can have a voice in and and where that voice lies and I think I mean the Caribbean for a very very long time and a lot of people don't know this is is really horribly against um, people uh queer the queer homosexuality yeah it's illegal and there's been a lot of um, persecution because of it so I think we everybody at the festival started to um, recognize that this needed to be spoken about, regardless of if we had an audience or not. Not vocally. I mean, we our audience typically because we've been around for for thirteen years, we have an older Caribbean audience, and you know there are times where I've you know been at a screening where older Caribbean people come up to me and say, "Oh, there's too much cursing," or "There's too much this," but. In terms of the the queer programming, we have not had a pushback. We don't get as many of our established audience coming out to those to that particular screening. Um, but we do have some, and it's really nice to see them come and support and and perhaps you know change their minds or enlighten them in some way. So we have, um, we had a couple of years ago started an intersex short film challenge where we were supporting, giving funds with telefilm as well and I believe Lyft, um, giving funds and supporting a short film by a, a, by a person of color, queer person of color filmmaker. Um, so we, get, we still have a community from that. Um, and we now partner with Pride, and we always partner with Inside Out, so we get the Inside Out crowds, and, I mean, I'm really hoping to expand it this year um, with, with you, both of your involvement uh, to just reach out and, and, and create a an, uh, safe and uh, inclusive environment so that anybody who wants to come can come, and, and, you know, we give away a lot of comp passes and things like that, so it should never be about money. It should be about if you want to see these films, then, um, you know, contact us, and we can help you see them we'll make it happen. mm
0: mm-hmm. Mhm.
1: Yeah, I mean I as a filmmaker myself, I know that when you make films that you know have a political stance or say something um, you get sometimes you'll get emails from random people push back a little bit, um, positive negative, and I'm just curious, Luca, if you received any feedback from strangers or other
0: people. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, normally it's it's really positive. I think that um, some of the places where people, at least even in the Q and As, or they'll ask certain things. Um, I think that, uh, you know, we don't put any title card up that explains what transition is, and we don't talk about any of the medical stuff. Or, and we don't really show any photos or anything like that, so I think that sometimes there's there's at times, especially in the audience there's confusion at the end, they're like, Wait, what? like you know they haven't quite taken in this whole concept of like, hey, these people were born female, but that was all kind of on purpose in a sense um and and what the and the good feedback that we have from that is that people by the end start to realize that hey this is it's about more than just transition um and um, this is now me going off on another tangent but passing is really the one one area that people sometimes have a bit not it's not really but a couple times people are definitely curious why is it called that and the fact that it's some it's be, become maybe a more um politically incorrect term i guess over time uh the word passing yeah i mean for me i'm kind of like if you know if in 10 years people say like fuck your film it's called passing I don't really care but you know I think that it's something that it does resonate with people on different differently depending on where they're at and um, to me passing is a big part of my life so that's why it's called that Um, but but I think that one thing that has been interesting is how different people perceive the content and it, and usually again, it is in a positive way. If we're talking about feedback, because for instance, my mother was raised Jewish. She's Jewish. And, um, passing for her means something completely different, right? It's like she came from a time when that was, you know, you have to pass as non-Jewish and um, to, you know, escape the Holocaust. And and I think that it really has enriched the story in a lot of ways, the way that non-trans people and even non-LGBT people relate to this idea of, you know, what does secrecy look like in our lives? Like, what are invisible disabilities look like? What are How do we relate on these assumptions that need to be broken down? Um, And so I love that that's that's kind of how it's that's different kinds of feedback that I get, because at the end of the day, it is an LGBT film. But, you know, it's also to be consumed by, you know, by by anyone.
1: Socially conscious, political. I was a, a conflict journalist for a number of years and uh, then I had a child and I had to stop going to war zones. So I, uh, I now make films a lot about migrants and immigration and their uh, documentaries and also narrative. You can find me online, uh, my website, I have a website, uh, mybastion.com, and uh, I'm doing something right now for Regent Park Film Festival.
0: Okay. Yes, we showed there.
1: Yeah, it'll be showed there. Uh, it's in October, I believe, mm-hmm. and they funded uh, several artists across Canada to do um, a film using archival footage. They, want, they wanted to bring the stories of immigrants and refugees and people of color to the forefront using archival and old home videos and things like that, which we don't always see, right? We don't see home videos of people of color very often when we look at them. That's like true.
0: That.
1: So, so they funded a bunch of artists to do that, and I'm one of them.
0: It was Yep, a couple of years ago. it was great. Yeah. Yeah, we got this nice uh little award and um yeah, it was a great experience. I enjoyed it.
1: It's a great festival. It's a yeah. real supporter of of queer programming.
0: Mhm. Um yes. <laughs> absolutely um i think you know at the time the reason why we didn't was because um we felt like that was all the content there was you know it's like that's the trans film and then it's the same story about everyone wants because it's what everyone wants to know right and it's and so we thought it'd be interesting to not go there and i know that when in the process of making it people did ask that type of stuff right they were like Um, you know, I'm curious about this or I'm curious about that. And at the end of the day, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And at the end of the day, it's like we could have made a million films, you know, uh, within the content that we shot for the film. But I think the medical side, I don't know, I just – I wanted to tell a story that was outside of that. And especially it's like with the internet – you know, there's 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 a lot of access to that. There's a lot of access to, you know, what do trans bodies look like and how does medical transition happen? And so I think that uh, it's really important as a culture. And t- and to be honest, that was probably thinking back. It was very inspired by Laverne Cox's attitude to transition. Um, the this the year that we shot it was you know when uh, Orange is the New Black first came out, and I actually sent her a message and she wrote me back, which was really nice before. Everything obviously, you know, popped off with her and um, I was really inspired because she was just seemed to be living without fear and um, and and putting herself out there without making it about transition. I didn't even know she was trans when I first watched that show. Right. So I I liked that approach and I, I wanted to continue in that vein, I guess. He's not. Yeah. I I kinda stand in a middle line. Um I again with the talks with the high schools and stuff, you get a lot of those questions as well. Like we do anonymous Q and A. So there's usually um there's usually stuff about, you know, what everyone wants to know about, which is like what does your body look like and how does that medical stuff happen? Or 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 where are you at in that process, me specifically. Um I don't really go into it that much because I don't know. I I guess I like to be, I, I like to be perceived obviously as me, and I think that the more, uh, the more we continue to make that the focus of transition, um, the more it, the, it just takes away from the fact that um, there's so many tra- different there's so many trans people there's so many different kinds of trans people, and so it feels like I'm trying to be lumped into a certain category. Like one of my favorite questions is people go oh like so is it done and to me i know exactly what they're asking right exactly yeah they're like oh so when did the transition finish right and yeah they just they just want to know if i've had a bottom surgery right um and yeah Yeah, <laughs> so true. Yeah, with friends, it's yeah. With the, it's a bit different, and even with strangers. I mean, it really I guess depends on my mood. But I suppose it's like if if this particular story of passing, it's like almost uh, negates the medical side because you know it's it's about the passing, like it's about what happens when you're trans and you're perceived as not trans. Um, it it's a very particular experience um and it's one that not everybody has but it is a particular experience because no one asks me or questions my gender in any way unless they know I'm trans already. As opposed to let's say people who are not passing as much or that's not their goal or whatever the case may be, they might get much more bombarded with that type of stuff. But I kinda stay right. Like I stay under the radar and and, and sometimes that's good and sometimes it's not good, right? It just really depends. It really depends. But I do know that when I tell people I'm trans, for sure, that's one of the first things that they want to talk about and they want to know. Um and I, I do appreciate when people don't go there right off the bat.
1: It's fascinating to me, though, because I don't understand what gives people allowance to just mm-hmm. ask you a personal question about your body. Because nobody asks me about my vagina. Like and, you know, <laughs> no one's just going to say that to me. The second thing they ask, but I've had a lot of trans friends say that's the second or third thing somebody will ask you, mm-hmm. and I don't understand why, where the why all of a sudden the personal barriers are just just disappear.
0: Yeah. No, uh, completely. Yes. Exactly.
1: Mm -hmm. I think Luca's film is what brought us, Caribbean Tales, wanted to program it along with Saturday Church's the fact that it is about a unique aspect of being trans that we hadn't heard of before. And even with, with Saturday Church, which is, um, it's a coming of age musical, a trans coming of age musical, and it's cool. beautiful. And it, it, it takes sexuality out of it in a way, just this young boy who's sort of very confused. And I think it was interesting to us to program things that take out these standard questions and let people see a different experience of it. Um, perhaps for our audiences who might be f- afraid to go and watch a film like that, if we can take those que- those standard kind of questions out and just show a human
0: mm-hmm. experience. It's
1: not about, you know...
0: And that's things. what we were, yeah, hoping for. and I But I understand what you're saying, and I think that, you know, my response to it is usually, you know, some people have... Some people get surgery, some people don't get surgery, but that does not make the gender. And that's really where my teaching moment comes in, right? Is that because sometimes it feels like when people are like, they're so aggressive, or not aggressive, but when, when people question, want to know, something, they question, but when people's curiosity first goes to like, I need to know if you have a penis, it's kind of like, if I say I don't, then what? Like, then then, then you know, what is... Is that really going to be that thing that validates me as male? Because I think that we're trying to move away from that just as it is, right? Um, and so to me, that's why, you know, that's why I kind of feel the way I feel about it. But at the same time, you know, I've, I've worked really hard to, you know, appreciate my body over time as as we all have to do. And for me, it was it's really important to be. You know, in my trans identity, to be uh, to not feel like I have to keep grabbing at the standards because um, I see how that affects the trans people around me. Like I see how deep you can go in the self loathing, and where does it end? I talk me and my trans friends talk about this sometimes. It's like where does it end because. I've seen so many people, friends, go through transition. And, and same, same with me at, at, for a lot of my life. Like, I have a job I love now, so that takes a lot of focus. But first, it's like, I need to get on T. Then it's like, I don't look the way that I want yet. Then you want a beard. Then you want this. And, like, I remember an ex-girlfriend had said to me at one point, because I was, I was, oh, I'm not this. I'm not tall enough. I'm not attractive enough. I need a penis, all these things. And she just said, like, I remember when all you wanted was a beard. And I'm like, yo, you're so right. You know, I think that it's really important that we remember. You know, that we, regardless of it's transition or not. But I, I love trying to remind myself of how far I've come in certain ways. And um, I do think it becomes this kind of wild goose chase for self fulfillment that can become very toxic and dangerous because um, I've seen it affect people. And I even in in April, I actually went to um, I spoke at an all trans man conference and it was an incredible experience very emotional um and and yeah it it was that it was that reminder to me that man like some people they're just like it'll just never be enough never be enough
1: The Royal Cinema on College and Roncesvall, uh the review on Rothschild's and and uh, our closing night is at Scotiabank Cineplex. Thank,
0: Thank you. you. Yeah, so much. Great. Good so, combo. I'm yeah. Sweaty. I know, right? I was just thinking, just on that last thing, I'm like, wow. I mean. <laughs>
1: that was great. I'm, I hope I wasn't jumping in too much. No,
0: that was, I, I, that was fantastic. Okay. Yeah.
1: <sighs> wow well, you're well spoken. I did, I guess cuz you're sort of this is what you do now. Just, I
0: guess so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> like I I do speak a lot. That's true, but that it's was pretty, this was pretty cash.
1: Pretty brave though to go to high schools and stuff cuz you know.
0: <laughs> it was yeah. It's I spoke at a prison, a youth prison on Monday. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was. Wow.
1: Um,